Hi, my name is Rhett Barden, and I'm the lead pastor of One Life Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. At One Life Church, we exist to help you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. For more information on how you can be a part, please visit us online at olc.church. Enjoy the message. I love that drum line. Doom, 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 doom. If you grew up in the 80s, that's your thing. You know what I'm saying? Remember, remember Phil Collins? Doom, 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 God, doom. Okay. All right. I'm feeling a little free this morning, and here's the reason why. Because as your pastor today, I've got a guest pastor who's going to be speaking today. And I'm a little fired up because, <laughs> yeah, all right, you're going to hear a little bit more about that here in a moment. Um, but I'm just having fun. This is family for me. Um, if there's anything that you're going to learn about us at One Life Church, it's the fact that we believe church should be enjoyed not endured. I have grew up in the enduring church. Um, God bless it. I love them. They're amazing. But I was like, Jesus, there's got to be more to life than this. And life should be fun. Church should be fun. Jesus is fun. Your relationship with God should be fun, everybody. All right. So, hey, listen, if you're just coming in with us today, my name is Red. I am the lead pastor here at One Life Church, and it is an honor to have you with us. We are in a series called Choose Joy. But before we jump into that series, can we take a moment and welcome our online church podcast family, everybody. Throw your hands together. For those who are at home, we love you so much. We are grateful for you. We can't wait to see you soon. Well, like I said, we're in a series called Choose Joy. But before we jump into that, I want to remind you of one thing. 21 days of prayer. What is 21 days of prayer? It's 21 days that we pray. Pretty sophisticated. Um, what we do here as a church, we recognize the fact that what we do, we can't do without God's help. We need God. We can have music, we can have lights, we can have great services, but we can leave and not be changed. I don't know about you, but I want to experience God's presence. I need God's presence as a husband. I need God's presence in my life as a father. I need God's presence in my life as a pastor to lead well. And so what we do Two seasons out of the entire year. The first season we do 21 days in January because we believe there is power in the first thing that you do, that God blesses the rest. And we also believe that there's a second season for us as a church to enter into, and that is in August when school starts back up and life starts to begin to churn back into the routine before the holidays. And so we do this because it's important, because I need it as a pastor, as your friend, as a father, and a, as a husband. That's why we do it. And so it looks a little bit different this year in the fact that it's going to be all online. So if you want to know how you can participate, go to olc.church forward slash 21 days or go to olc.church, click the button, and you'll see more information about what that is. It's going to all be online. So if you're not following us on social media at One Life Idaho, online at Facebook or Instagram, you're missing out. So we're going to have a, a daily devotion that I'll do, our team will do throughout the 21 days. Okay, enough of that. We're very excited today. I've got an incredible special guest, and honestly, he's not a guest. He is a friend. I met Pastor Brian Taylor and his wife, Jamie, uh, you know, uh, what, a year and a half ago? About? We were, I mean, and when I met them, you know when you meet somebody for the first time, you're like, man, I could do life with this guy right here. They're awesome. Am I the only one that's ever met somebody like that? Well, when I met them, I was like, I don't know what he's got, but I want some of what he's got, and I want to be around that. 
And then he began to share with me his heart and his passion for the local church, the Capital C Church, and the Treasure Valley and what God's doing here. He spent the last 10 years of his life, he and his wife, Jamie, uh, basically loving on the people of Nampa and Caldwell at, through Grace Bible Church with Pastor Keith Wagoner. And so for 10 years, he's been there as his executive right-hand man. And he's stepping out in faith, launching a church just like we did. And he's launching September the 13th this year in the midst of everything. He's launching his church. We're standing behind him, not only with word, not only with action, but with finances. Come on, you know what I'm saying? I grew up in the church was like, be blessed, you know, go and be well fed, have fun. Like, no, we're blessing him. We want to be a part of what God's doing. They're planning a church in CUNA, Idaho, everybody. And I'm so excited. And uh, if you would do this for me, this is huge, okay? Um, we believe that, you know, the Bible teaches to show honor where honor is due. And uh, I would love for you, if you would, please stand all over the room, throw your hands together, show some love, show some honor to Pastor Brian Taylor in E3 Church. Oh, man. How can you not want to hang out with that guy? Man, that is so awesome. Love you, Rhett, and love your family. You guys are blessed here. We're blessed and honored to be invited here, to be invested in. And uh, I just, I just want to say, you know, our, our church is going to be called E3 Church, and God has called us to engage, equip, empower people to live God's design for their life. And we, um, God has put us on a mission, and I just want to say thank you. If there's nothing else you have done, your investment in E3 Church, the foundation of what is taking place through your commitment to honor God, not only through your generosity, your encouragement. I'm learning so much from this guy. And um, just everything that you're doing, you guys are foundational to any fruit that comes out of E3 Church. And so thank you so much. And let's just give God honor and praise this morning. Man. Well, I'm, I'm excited to uh, share with you today that, um, what, what God is doing. And I'm just going to teach something to you that... God has been teaching me um, and where I'm at in my journey of planning a church during the middle of a pandemic, really. Um, okay, God, what does this look like? Didn't see this coming. And God has been challenging me in a lot of different ways and refining me. And I've been doing my best to just keep my hands off and say, God, it's yours. It's not mine. And I'm just trying to be faithful. And, and I have a feeling there's a lot of people in the room today that can understand that and, and experience, maybe it's at work, maybe it's your marriage, maybe it's a friend, whatever the case may be, there's, you're on a journey where you're being tested in a lot of different ways. And so I want to talk to you today about joy when tested. I didn't know those two words went together, and God started unpacking this to me, and, and so I just want to invite you to join me in Genesis chapter 22. It's where we're going to dig into God's word today. But I want to start with asking you a question. Have you ever been talking to somebody and it was like, they're not listening? You can be having a conversation with them, and I'm, I'm in the middle of this conversation, and it's like, yeah, they're, they're not present. They're looking past me. They're thinking about everything else around. And you just know that you're together in the room, 
but there's not a two-way conversation. There's, there's not a communication going on. There's not listening happening. It's one-directional. I don't know about you, but it feels like that when you get on the news and everything else. Everybody's shouting a lot of information. There's a lot of things going on, and nobody's listening. There's a lot of opinions. There's a lot of, you should do this, and if you don't, you're a loser. Or, you should do this my way, and if you don't agree with me, hit the road. And so there's a lot of opinions out there right now of saying, this is what you should do, but there's not a lot of listening. And God stopped me two weeks ago and started to unpack this to me and say, Brian, I think a lot of times that's the way it is with me. There's a lot of opinions, there's a lot of information going out, but at what point are you going to just sit down and listen to what I have to say? And God began to help me destroy and destruct some walls of things that I felt like I had my hands on and I was doing my way and this is how it should be. God, the church should look like this if we're going to plant. God, the, the, the team that I need to make this happen should look like this. And, and I had my plan and God said, no, I, I need you to just listen. I need you to give me your ear, Brian. Just lean in and rest during this season. And I'm like, God, we're right around the corner. Like, this has got to happen. And then God began to reveal not just the church and an organizational approach. God began to reveal what does it look like to listen to me in your marriage? What does it look like to listen to me in raising your kids? What does it look like to me, Brian, to just be the church to your neighbor to start with? And all of a sudden, I realized that my joy was being removed because of the things that I was wrapping my focus around and I was not resting in him and I just want to share with you a relationship requires intentional intentionality and a choice to focus and listen to what's going on Genesis chapter 22 as I was Having my devotional time and reading this, God began to unpack this idea of what this looks like. And I didn't even see it coming. It was something that I wasn't seeking out, but this was the season that I was in and the tension that I'm managing and all the chaos going around with this in mind of what does it look like to listen. And I, I just want you to follow along. Verse 1 in chapter 22 says this. It said, sometime later, God tested Abraham. And God got my attention immediately when I saw this word tested, and I'm like, okay, God tested Abraham. And so I start digging in a little bit. It's like, okay, what, is, what does tested mean, right? And, and I start looking into this verse, and have you ever been tested? Have you ever been experiencing something, and you're like, okay, what, 
what's going on? And, and the Hebrew word testa, tested here was, was nisa. And, and the whole idea of the word nisa, which means to prove the quality of. It wasn't to entice to do wrong. And I think a lot of times when we're being tested, we're like, man, I feel like I'm being tested to do wrong. And this is not what that word means. The Hebrew word here is nisa, and it, and it is to prove the quality of. And God was testing Abraham's character. And then he goes on, he said, to a he said Abraham, and I love that we see this immediately. He said, here I am. And one of the first things I think that God challenged me and stopped me as I looked at this is the very first thing I heard God say was, point number one, listening requires access. We see Abraham immediately as God tested him, calls his name, Abraham gives God access to him and says, here am I. Now, I don't know about you when there's a lot of chaos going on and a lot of noise in the world it's not always easy to just immediately give God access to listen to him in those seasons of being tested. I, I've been accused at times of having a little ADHD. I've been guilty of being that one that was not really listening. And I'm not, I'm not going to tell you who um, would ever charge me of that because my wife's extremely gracious But there are many times, if you sat down with my wife, there are times where I'm present and in the room, but I'm not really listening. You can, you can see that right there in the fridge, Brian, right behind. Where did you say that was? And I'm checked out, right? So I'm in the room, but am I really having a two-way conversation? And as I watch Abraham's life here, he, he not only gives access to them, but the word and the definition to being tested and listening to somebody is when, in my, with my wife, it's when I actually give my ear to her and I thoughtfully listen to what she's trying to say. I, thought, I give thoughtful attention. Does God have access to your life? Does he have your ear and thoughtful attention? You see... There's a phrase that I love that I think is very accurate. When emotions are high, wisdom is low. There is so much truth in that statement. When emotions are high, wisdom is low. And for me, when all the chaos is going on and there's a lot of tension and a lot of stress and I'm being tested, it's really easy for my emotions to take control and my wisdom to go clear down. And then I'm in reaction mode and I'm, I'm reacting to a circumstance and a situation that's taking place and I'm not using wisdom because I'm not listening. I'm reacting. What would it look like to give God full access to ourselves? Once God had a response from Abraham and had his ear, verse 2, he, then God said, take your son your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain. I will show you. Now, I don't know about you, but that's messed up. Yeah. <laughs> this story, when we see this, 
It's like, are you kidding me? I hate this story at times. I read this and I'm like, what is God doing? Why in the world would God do this? And there are times when I look at God and I feel that. I give God access and I'm like, okay, God, I'm, I'm following you, I'm with you, and, and I'm, I'm trusting you, and I'm, I'm being tested, and, and God goes, yeah, I want your only son. And God goes, I want you to pack your family up and move out of every environment you're familiar with, and I want you to go to CUNA. Really? <laughs> Just to make it personal for me? Or God says, yeah, I, I, I don't want you hanging out at this party and everything that you love, I want you to just spend time with your family. Really? But I, this is way more fun. Or, hey, I, I just want you to trust me with your business. Yeah, in this economy? God, how do I find, really? How do I trust you in this? And there are times when, it, it, something I'm learning that God is unpredictable. Listen to this, God is unpredictable. I didn't say God's character is unpredictable. I didn't say God's character is inconsistent, but there is an unpredictability in his activity. God is consistently consistent. The only reason we are able to hold on during a pandemic is because God has been consistent. The economy has been unpredictable, but God's been consistent. Corona has been unpredictable, but God has been consistent. Imagine with me. Here is Abraham, and they haven't been able to have kids for all of these years, and Sarah is 90 years old, and God says, I'm going to give you a son. Really? <laughs> and then they have a son, and this is their only son, and can you imagine the conversation, how that would go if I walked up to my wife and said, yeah, we've trusted God with everything, but God's testing us right now, and, and I, I'm just trusting him, but God wants our son, and God wants me to sacrifice our son. I don't think that would go over too well. And I watch Abraham do this, and look what he does. Look what he does. Imagine this story in verse 3. He goes, early the next morning, Abraham got up, loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. And when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, listen, he's preparing the offering. He's preparing the altar. He set out for the place God had told him about. And what I noticed when I read that is, God, I don't see any hesitation in that. There's a sense of immediate obedience and response to just obey God. He prepares the offering. He prepares the everything. And the second thing God said to me is listening not only requires access, but listening requires availability. I'm not always great at being available. When God does say something to me, I'm not always great and quick to be available to what he's saying to do. I don't know about you guys. I'm a little hard-headed at times and find myself like wrestling. God, really, was that you? God says it again. And, okay, God, I'm giving you access. I hear it. You're in the room. I'm, I'm, I'm hearing that. 
but am I available to respond to do it? And as God stopped me and said, I need you to just be available. I need you to trust me in this. You see, we can predict who God will be, but we can't always predict what God will do. We can predict who God will be because he's consistently consistent, but we can't always predict what he will do when we make ourselves available. I wish I knew the results of what this is going to look like in the end whenever we actually launch a church. I wish I knew I'm a futuristic thinker and I'm always like on to the next thing and what's ahead and, and I find myself at times God just saying, I need you to be available and at times I'm like, yeah, but what does this look like? And I want to see exactly how it looks and there's times God's saying, I just need you to be available. What does that look like? What does availability in your life look like? What does your hope depend on? You see, we want certainty, so we seek clarity. I've watched that over and over and over again in our culture, in our society, in America. Is like, does the mask work or does it not? And I want to know because if you can't give me facts, right? It's about my rights, my thing. Don't tell me what to do because I want certainty. Why are we desiring certainty? Because we're seeking clarity. And when the government's telling us one thing and then another and then another and then another, we get annoyed and we get frustrated and God's just saying, just walk. God's just saying, walk. You see, Abraham didn't know he didn't have certainty and he didn't have clarity in the end results. Abraham was walking. He was gathering what God was telling him to gather. He was listening. He was made himself accessible. He made himself available. And he was not trusting in what everything else made sense to him. He was trusting in what God was saying to do because he had his ear and thoughtful attention to God and made himself accessible, made himself available. But watch what he does next. On the third day, verse 4, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back. Now I want to just stop, don't miss this. On the third day, not only had he gone to bed after God had told him what to do, he woke up the next morning, packed his bags, and said, this is where we're going. He journeys for three days with what God had told him to do. And a lot of times we want to know how long this is going to happen. We want to know how long I'm going to have to go on this journey. And he went on a three-day hike, not even knowing what it looked like. But God said, I'll show you the mountain when you get there. And so he goes on, verse 6, Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering. He placed it on his son Isaac. And I highlighted that. He placed, took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, watch what Isaac does. Isaac spoke. He spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, my son. 
He's present with his son. He's having a conversation with his son. The fire and wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Can you imagine being in Abraham's shoes and sitting there recognizing this is the sacrifice God has asked for? And the very thing that I'm supposed to lay on the altar is asking me, where is the sacrifice? And he finds himself in this place of no question. I, I put myself in his shoes of going, oh God, this tension of, is it really going to be him? What is God going to do here? You're asking me for it, so I'm being obedient. And the third point God pointed out to me is listening requires acknowledgement. Acknowledging where all of this comes from. How many times have we been in this situation? We are so saying, okay, I have what it takes to build the altar, but God, what are you doing? Where is the sacrifice? Where is the provision for what you're calling me to? How are you going to come through on this? And look what Abraham says. Do not miss this. This is, this is key. Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering. A lot of times we say that and we, Abraham may be saying that and provision and the outcome still may be the son. It still may be the very thing that we're giving, but what God does, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son, and the two of them went on together. Abraham acknowledged where his provision came from. Imagine with me what he has to be thinking at this point. So often I've found myself at this point of faith and God will provide, but yet there is this tension. I'm just going to be really real with you right now. I've just uprooted my family. I've taken them out of everything they know. I'm walking into a city of, where people I don't know and I've done my best to take this step and then I go, pandemic hits and I go God what how are you going to provide yeah but God I'm, I'm responsible for my family this doesn't make sense how are you going to provide and I have to constantly find myself surrendering the very thing that I'm holding on to and say no God I trust you with this Abraham acknowledged where his provision came from. God will provide, but yet there, this tension, God, really, you're asking me for my son? Maybe it's something different for you. You're asking me for my marriage? You're asking me for me to trust the economy and my work? Here's the key that so easily we miss. So many times we build the altar but hang on to the sacrifice. Just don't miss that. If you don't get anything out of this, many of us have built our altars but are still holding on to the sacrifice. And God is saying, listen, I just want you to give that to me. You see, how often something, a thought that God has just been constantly reminding me of is how often I pray for a miracle but I don't want to be in the miracle. 
How often I'm, I'm God, I'm, I'm just going to trust you completely with this. And God goes, yeah, I want you to be the one to walk. Make yourself accessible. Make yourself available and acknowledge. But here's what's so amazing. Look what happens next, verse 9. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar, on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But, I circled that word because that's a huge word. The angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, 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 listen. And Abraham goes, here I am. Can you imagine the emotion in that moment as he's getting ready to slay the sacrifice and the son that he had laid on the altar? But until he had actually released the sacrifice on the altar, then God steps in. Verse 12, do not lay a hand on the boy. He said, do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. And I just would encourage you, fill in the blank there for yourself. What is it you're holding on to? What is that one thing that God's asking for and you're like, yeah, but I, I hear you, God. What's the outcome of that if I do that? What is that thing that God wants you to be able to release? Because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. It was at that point of his faithfulness to lay his sacrifice down on the altar that he saw God, what God had already done. Look what God had already done. Verse 13, Abraham looked up and there in the thicket, he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time. I love this, how God reminds him again. A second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because, he emphasizes it again, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore, your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. And through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. He emphasizes it again and reminds Abraham. Have you ever been tested? What would it look like to give God full access to yourself? What about you? Have you made yourself available to him? What does your hope depend on? What is God asking for you to sacrifice? You see, God began to bring out all of these questions. He began to start reflecting on my heart and said, Brian, where have you been tested? 
What would it look like to give yourself full access to me? Have you made yourself available? What is God asking for you to sacrifice? Brian, you've built the altar, but you're still holding on to the sacrifice. You're holding on to the result. You're holding on to the very things that God is asking for. And that is for me to remember that it's his job to produce the fruit. It's my job to be faithful. And guys, I got to be honest. (laughs) As God was testing me in this and revealing himself through this to me, I started placing myself in Abraham's shoes of, God, would I really do that? God, what am I holding on to? What is it that is in my hands? And I began to reflect and listen to say, God, show me those things. And if we're listening, I believe we would hear God say these words in Psalm 37. I love this passage. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord. Oh, do you see it? Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. For those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit this land. Joyous happens when we are tested when we are able to apply and listen to what God is saying to us. You see, the word trust in Psalm 37, if I can create a visual for that, it means to actually lay down. Lay down and give it to Him. How often do I pick up the thing that I'm trying to accomplish and what God's trying to say and And I find myself holding it in my hand. And I'm bringing it before God and God's saying, Brian, to trust me means to actually not still hold it in your hands. To trust me means to actually turn your palms down, open-handed, and lay it at my feet. And it's in that rest, guys, what God is starting to do and renew in my mind, it's in that place that all of a sudden my worries of what it looks like, my joy that has been taken from me is starting to come back and I'm finding God the more I release and surrender. I find myself many times I'm picking it back up and I'm like, I'm not sure. And God says, no, give it to me. Palms down. And lay it at my feet. And if there's anything I can just encourage you with today, through a pandemic, through economy questions, our hope is not of this world. 
Our hope is in our future. And God, Jesus himself, when he said, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, he was praying for unity of the church. He was not praying for a bickering church. He was praying for the unity of us to come together and share, man, my trust is in God. It's not of the things of this world. He was challenging us for us to lay down the things that stress us out, and he wants us to say, God, it's not mine, but, but how can I provide joy to those around me? Somebody who's stressed out over something, how can I come alongside him and say, man, we're here for you? You see, the building is just a location. The church is you. How are you loving your neighbor? When they're stressed out and they don't have the hope, what am I needing to do to lay down my own desires and my own life and hiding from my neighbors? How do I go and just love my neighbor and say, I'm not going to worry about my schedule today. I'm just going to be the joy of the Lord and share with those around me. I don't always do this well. And God has to constantly remind me to commit your ways to me. But I believe that whenever we find the joy that God wants to give us, the blessing will come when we surrender the sacrifice he's desiring. I want you to stand where you're at. And maybe somebody here today is just, you're like, Brian, you could fill in the blank. This particular thing is the thing that I'm holding on to. I don't know your story. I don't know you. We come from all different walks of life, all different journeys. But what would it look like if we actually pulled a chair up to the table with Jesus and we actually sat across from him and said, I trust you. I'm here to listen. What are you asking of me? What do you want me to do, God? You see, John 14, verse 12 talks about us surrendering ourselves. And Jesus said, you will go do the works of my ministry. But there's a part in that verse that I love. It says, you will go and do greater and bigger things than I have ever done. Wow. The fact that we have the Holy Spirit and we have the opportunity to love him, to be the hands and feet of Jesus to our neighbors. And when we live in a place of rest and joy and peace, kindness and we don't get worked up about what the media is saying is right and wrong there's a sense of peace in our walk and our identity in Christ that it's like this is amazing and I've started to enjoy that I wish I could say I always did but here's what I want you to do with heads bowed and eyes closed I just I just want to give you guys the opportunity where you're at and where you're standing Maybe this has felt a little heavy today and we're talking about joy. And, and, but maybe you're at a place right now where you just need to choose joy. And you need to lay whatever it is you're holding on to on the altar. And you need to lay it at the feet of Jesus. And just where you're standing, I'm just going to ask, if that's you, with nobody looking around, I just want you to lift your hands up and just say, Brian, there, I'm holding on to something that God has challenged me with. i got to let go. Yes, I see that hand. It's that. See that hand? Multiple hands. And maybe you're on the journey. You can put your hands down. Maybe you're on the journey this morning where you say, Brian, I, I know God's in the room today. I know he's speaking. But I'm just, 
I'm, I'm, still, I'm still not fully going to give my life to Christ. And, I, and I, that's the thing that I need to lay down. I need to just give him access today. And maybe you are, don't even have a relationship with God, but you would love to have that relationship like Abraham to where you just accept what he's calling you to. And, and that is he wants a relationship with you. And if that's you, I just want you to raise your hand where you're at. Everybody, eyes closed, heads, heads bowed still. And just, just lift up your hand and say, Brian, that's me. I just, I just need to surrender my life to God. If that's you, raise your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you. Yes, I see that hand. See that hand. Thank you, Jesus. Father God, I just thank you for the people in this room who have, every one of us, God, have to kind of die to ourselves so often and just, the things we're picking up and holding on to in our own strength, God, you just want us to give you access and lean in and listen to what you're saying. You want us to make ourselves available and just walk in an obedience without knowing what's, what's to come. Just walk and listen to what you're saying. And then, God, to have the faith to acknowledge you and say, God, I trust you. You will provide and it's through that when we let go, God, that you will redeem whatever our situation is. You will transform us. You will transform our circumstance. It may not always look just like we want it to look, but God, when we honor you and give it to you, we know it'll look just like you want it to look. So we give ourselves to you today. If you were somebody who just gave your life to Christ this morning, I just, I just want you to pray with me this prayer. God, forgive me for my sins. Forgive me for hanging on to my desires and my selfishness. Forgive me for my, my desire to just hang on to everything in my life and not trust you with it. So today, God, I surrender my life to you. I ask you to come into my heart. Forgive me and be my savior. And I surrender myself completely to you today, dear God. And Father, we know that you said that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Thank you, Jesus, for that today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Can we just celebrate with what God has done this morning? Thank you so much.